1: good morning folks my name is Martin Shields I'm a certified financial planner and wealth manager at Boucher Financial Group and I'm going to be your host today for let's talk money I'm sitting in for my colleague Stephen Boucher who as I always say is taking a well-deserved break and and he is and he deserves it so it's great to be here with you to answer any questions you may have regarding your financial planning or investment management concerns and I Encourage you to call in with those questions. You can reach me at 1 800 TALK WTY. That's 800 825 5949. So call in with your question. As I also always say, there's no dumb or silly question except for the one you don't ask. And I, uh, you may be doing your fellow listener a favor by asking that question that they have. So call in with that question. I'll try to get you an answer. Uh, looking out the window here at an absolutely gorgeous sunny uh, summer afternoon. We're on August 1st. I can't believe it. Uh, I I savor summer and I tell you we moved up here with my family uh, eight years ago and I think this is the best summer I remember. I'm not hopefully (laughs) jinxing us as we hit August but uh, boy it's it's so many sunny days and warm days and uh, you know now we've got at least a little bit of rain so our grass is not Completely fried like it was in July, but uh, or early July, late June, but it has just been fantastic weather. And you know, with the whole COVID thing, it definitely throws you off. Things you might normally be doing, you're not doing. And but you know, I've got three. We have three teenagers, and and we're definitely spending more time with them, which has been great. And I've uh, we've got up to Lake George once uh, boating. Uh, I went up there twice in the last couple weeks kayaking. And I feel like, uh, you know, the summer in some respects I've uh, been able to be outside more, um, maybe less uh, events to go to. We usually go to a lot of uh, charitable events and just different things going on with kids activities, which are not going on different sports. So it really feels like it's been a great summer. Um, And uh, as far as getting outside and appreciating it and the weather uh, but as as you and everybody else, uh, we're definitely hoping to get back to normal at some point here. We're looking at what school's gonna be and uh, just hoping that there's gonna be some element of in-person. I think it's, I think it's gonna be something like that. Uh, my children, are, they're middle schoolers and teenagers are high schoolers. So in Saratoga, there's gonna be some element of in-person, but uh, the concept of going completely online, which I know a lot of states are, that's just a uh, boy that's going to be challenging uh, for for both the teachers and the students, if that's the case. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, we're here to talk about financial planning and investment management, and I encourage you to call in with any questions. Again, you can reach me at 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 800-825-5949. So call in with that question. And I'll try to get you an answer. Um, let's see here. Good, good week in the markets. Um, it's interesting because you know this week the report came out on what the gross domestic product which basically uh, measures uh, what our economy is producing in any given quarter and it dropped by 9.5 percent 9.5 percent, largest drop ever recorded uh, that would equate to a, annually a drop of 33 uh, percent if it were to continue and it is fairly stunning that you have that you have unemployment rate you know in, in the 12, 13, 14%, you have continued million people plus annually filing, or weekly filing for unemployment. And yet we have the markets. Um, na- the NASDAQ did not hit an all time high, but up close. Uh, you know, if you listen to us, we're big believers in investors and investors in technology and in QQQ, which is the top 100 uh, companies in the NASDAQ. Again, didn't hit all time highs, but very close. and the S&P, uh was as close to what was all-time high after covid uh, not before COVID. it was up probably four or five percent but we're up uh positive for the year one and a half percent or so and uh pretty stunning but you know it is to me there's a number of factors we talk about this on the show but absolutely what you have going on here are mega cap companies like your apples your facebook microsoft amazon Uh, you know, even some of the big car companies, big companies, mega camp companies are doing well, they are doing very well in, in this environment. And in most, when we talk about the market, you know, we're talking about the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ, we're talking about uh, the S P 500, you know, those are market cap weighted indices, right? So that means the bigger the company, uh, they make up a larger portion of that, uh, index. And you know when you start looking at the S&P or the Nasdaq, I mean those top ten companies they make up anywhere from 30 to 50 percent of that index. It is a huge component of those indices. So, you know when those companies do well, the those indices do well. So you know it's again it's a little bit confusing when we say hey the market's doing X. Well the market's doing X because of the mega cap companies, not necessarily all the smaller companies because um, They're just, depending on what the business model is, depending on about their access to capital, a lot of different things that can impact that. But, um, you know, overall, when we talk about the market, the S&P, the NASDAQ uh, is doing well and we'll have to see. Uh, You know, there's a lot of challenges we have between now and the fall and into the election and and into the early winter. So, um, you know, the market's always looking forward six to nine months and hopefully we'll be moving to having a vaccine in place uh getting it out there that everybody's getting that vaccine and uh you know hopefully defeating covid19 at some point here but interesting stuff i think it's what i'm an economist and to see the contrast between the economy and the markets and we always say you know the economy is not the markets and vice versa but to see the stark contrast is uh is pretty interesting it really is very unique and certainly with the Federal Reserve and federal government, you know, what they're doing to provide liquidity to the markets, what they're doing to conservative investors. I mean, we talk about this all the time with people who are conservative and they want to have money in cash and CDs and bonds. And boy, it's it's kind of a losing proposition. I mean, we, we in our portfolios, we have an element of that in there because uh, it serves a purpose by all means. But if you have a large portion of your uh net worth tied up in conservative assets it's not great right you're you, you see that right with your bank accounts your CDs uh, if you have a bond fund yields are dropping the income that you're getting is dropping and you know it may continue to drop and the flip side of that is at some point when rates rise the value of those uh investments actually decline so this has been actually a good year for bonds uh, they're doing doing well because interest rates have been declining but what that means is lower income out of those types of investments and also at some point when this reverses it's not going to be a great time to be a bond investor so this is and that's what the fed's doing right they're pushing people to take risk absolutely um so it's just understanding how that happens uh, with the federal government you know they're looking to pay, Put together another stimulus bill. Uh, you know they're negotiating right now on the unemployment benefits uh, and the increased amount of six hundred dollars. And uh, you know, they're they're working right now on a Saturday to try to come to a resolution. And I, my guess is they'll come to a resolution. If it's not going to be six hundred dollars, it's going to be something, uh, you know, greater than what the normal unemployment amount is. And uh, they'll get something passed here pretty soon because those benefits ended yesterday. And uh, I know that even you know, both Democrats and Republicans r- realize that something needs to be out there. I don't know if they can come to a number, but uh, they'll, they'll figure it out and they'll get something in place that's going to, again, help those people. Because here's the, here's the situation, folks, without a doubt. I mean, you know, if you have a job, um, you have your health, you know, consider yourself lucky because there's definitely a lot of folks out there. It could be small business owners. They could be employees. Um, you know, they might have gotten through the last two or three months, but as this continues, there's going to be more and more people losing jobs, um, losing businesses, and so I think it's important that for any of us who have jobs to really appreciate those jobs and do what we can to take care of those who don't. And um, you know, there's a lot of different ways. You know, one of the things that we talked about on the radio here, I'm on the board of the regional food bank, and you know, supporting an organization like a food bank or, you know, food pantries, because let's face it, you know, you buy groceries, it's expensive. Um, I have a family of five, the numbers are crazy, especially if you want to try to eat healthy, right? Fruits and vegetables and, and, and whatnot. So, you know, really, if you can try to support those organizations, um, because again, if, um, as this goes on, there's gonna be more and more people who are struggling and they're going to be going to the food pantries. And I tell you, you know, people who are going to food pantries. It's not by their own desire, right? They're they're going there because that is their last resort. And you know, it could be people who are who are working and just do not have the money to to make ends meet and cover those expenses. So um, you know, definitely, if you can, if you if you if you're able to to support those organizations, or there could be other ones that are really helping people out during this time. Uh, let's try to do that, to take care of those people and make sure that they're okay, right? we got to get through through this together. Well, folks, we're going to go to commercial break, uh, but come back and join us as we take your questions and we continue to discuss some financial planning topics you can use in your own situation and what you can do from a portfolio perspective. You're listening to Let's Talk Money on News Radio WGY, 103.1 FM, 810 AM.
0: If you want to learn more about Boucher Financial Group, visit their website, boucher.com. That's B-O-U-C-H-E-Y.com. Sign up for their blog, which is updated every week, stephenboucher.com. Follow them on Twitter, at Boucher Group. Like them on Facebook. The phone lines are open, 800-TALK-W-G-Y. That's 800-825-5949. Here is Stephen Boucher.
1: Welcome back, folks. For those of you who are just joining us, my name is Martin Shields, and I'm your host today for Let's Talk Money. I'm sitting in for my colleague Stephen Boucher, and it's great to be here with you. For all of our weekly listeners, to answer any questions you may have, and to any new listeners, it's great to have you on this absolutely stunning day. So um, again, if you have any questions, feel free to reach me at one eight hundred talk WGY. That's eight 800- hundred. So, one thing I want to mention as we are in the early part of our show, um, we found out this week our firm uh, was selected by the Financial Times uh, as one of the top uh, 300 firms uh, registered investment advisors.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: See website for details. firms across the country. And uh, this is something we're, we're very proud of. Uh, there's a number of criteria they use to select uh, the firms, uh, including um, growth in, in uh, assets under management, years in existence, uh advanced industrial uh i'm sorry industry credentials of the firm advisors online accessibility and compliance records uh those are some of the main criteria there's others as well and uh to be one of the top 300 firms uh in the country uh i think we're the only firm in upstate new york most of the firms in new york were selected were down in new york city Um uh, it's something we're very proud of and um you know particular i'm proud of because of the uh, the the colleagues that uh, we work with. I mean, they're just the the best uh, folks that uh, are around both um, personally and uh, professionally. And, you know, it's the team that we have that really um, makes us uh, the great firm that we are to work with uh, clients and take care of them in the manner that we do. And I'm celebrating eight years at the firm, Uh, came up uh, from Virginia eight years ago with my family and uh you know i just i feel very fortunate that uh you know started working with steve and ryan and angela and angie uh back then and uh now we're a team of 11 and we continue to grow and uh, to get recognized uh as one of the top 300 registered investment advisors is is really something special uh actually as i'm looking at this the the median AUM so assets under management for this group uh, 1.9 billion dollars right so that means the Average amount of assets that these firms uh, manage, and it's not the average, the median, uh, almost two billion dollars, and uh, our firm manages over six hundred million. But uh, you know, some really prestigious firms, and uh, it's great to be in that group and to be able to serve our clients. I, I always say when I came up from DC and Virginia, I worked with larger R- RIAs, family firms, and you know, right away I knew when I started started working with Steve and the team that we, the team that we had, was was special. And the way that we took care of clients was, as I always say to Steve, was as good, if not better than a lot of those firms. And in particular, the technology that we have to, to offer our clients, uh, you know, really give them all the information they need to have to be able to, you know, understand what's going on. Um, it's really second to none. So very proud of that. And uh, in particular, proud of uh, our team members who uh, make it all happen. So that's, that's some good news by all means. So again, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach me. You can reach me at 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 800-825-5949. So calling with any questions. One of the things I wanna talk about is uh, d- deferred comp plans. And we see this uh, uh, in a number of different situations with clients. So uh, a deferred comp plan, sometimes it's known as a 457 plan. You can have it with uh, New York State. Uh, you can have it with a nonprofit or you can have a deferred comp plan if you're an executive uh, at a corporation. And the reason I bring this up is uh, they're, they're a great way to save money uh, if you're in that position, whether with a nonprofit, uh, in for the 457B or with New York State deferred comp or with a corporation and not pay taxes on that money. So you basically, you're gonna put it in that account, uh, you could get it invested in different ways depending on the situation. And then when you leave the organization, uh, that money is there for your retirement. But the thing to remember, is, and this is very important, is with a deferred comp plan, it's what's called a non-qualified plan. And what all that means is that those dollars, they're not protected uh, from creditors of that organization. right? Unlike a 401k plan where that money is yours, it's they're absolutely protected and the creditors of that organization can never go after it. Um, So if you're with New York state, you know, really, there's not going to be really creditors for New York state, let's hope. And so that money is pretty secure. But if you're with a corporation, or if you're with uh, a nonprofit, if something happens to that organization, and the creditors, uh, you know, defaults on its loans, uh, it's going into bankruptcy, you know, that money in those qualified plans is at risk, and you can lose it. And that's one of the reasons why you're not paying taxes on it because you actually don't have that money yet. It's still part of the organization's assets. So you avoid paying taxes on it. You defer it, like the name says, and then you use it for future uses. Now, again, with New York State, the way they're set up, you can take that deferred comp plan and roll it into an IRA, which is great, right? It's just like a 401k. You you retire, you take your deferred comp along with your anything else, and you roll it into your IRA, and that money is now yours. But, if you're with a nonprofit or even with a corporation, you have to actually take that money has to stay there, even when you leave until you start start taking distributions from it. So until that money is fully out of there, uh, that organization, it's at risk to the creditors that if something happens, you could potentially lose those assets. And you know it's something to consider in particular, you know, depending on the health of the organization. So it's just something I bring out there because I don't know if many people are aware that contribute to a 457 plan, a deferred comp plan, if they realize that, hey, you know, something happens, I could lose these assets. And it doesn't mean that you don't wanna contribute to the plan, but you wanna be aware of this risk, right? That's anything from an investment perspective, a business perspective, or just even in life, you wanna understand what the risks are and then you make your decisions from there. We're going to go the phone line, so we have uh, Josh from Troy. Josh, are you there?
2: Absolutely. How are you doing today?
1: Good. How are you doing?
2: Very, very good. Thank you. I'm actually just calling with a quick question. So, um, mid-30s and uh, rather ambitious, and my my partner and I have been able to amass just under uh, $200,000 in a taxable brokerage. We have the Roth IRA all set up along with some rental real estate. And um, the taxable brokerage is real simple. It's just an 80-20 split total stock market versus, uh, and then uh, total bond market, both through Vanguard. The goal is really just to add a little bit more to that. And um, I want to know kind of your thoughts as far as, the, you know, the whole notion of the uh, the 4% rule regarding that.
1: The 4% rule what do you, uh, what do you mean by that?
2: Yeah so uh, uh gosh goes back to uh, i think the 70s. the guy who I forget his name he uh the 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 idea that with a certain allocation of stocks to bond, you could conceivably, conceivably withdraw about four percent of your holdings every year thereafter you account for inflation um, and and essentially you know run the have a pretty good chance of never running out of money.
1: We did a good job defining that. Yes. I didn't know where you meant in what context because – so are you looking to take distributions from that account?
2: Uh, Well, and it was sometime in the next three to five years. The whole whole mindset has been – my partner and I, between rental real estate and investing and stuff, we've kind of been creating this – we call it the Freedom Fund. We're going to be planning to start a family in the not-too-distant future – and I am going to be looking to drop down um, to part-time work. My wife will be doing the same. So we wanted to create just a small portfolio to kind of give us a little bit more income flexibility. So that way, when we do start the family, uh, you know, we're not both in a position where we need necessarily to work full-time, especially for those first few formative years. So, you know, we have the rental real estate and then the, the taxable brokerage. Um, is, uh, is kind of another uh, leg, if you will, of that income uh, uh, side, out, outside of the part-time income we'll both be earning.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, well. first of all, congratulations on all the stuff that you're doing. I mean, it's great to talk to somebody who's your age, who is doing all the great stuff about saving money and, and being invested. So you're doing all the right things. Um, so the 4% rule, yep, so that is pretty standard as far as distributions from a portfolio. Now, the comment I will make is that 4% rule basically says that you can sustain those distributions for an extended period of time, 20, 25, maybe 30 years, and feel comfortable doing that and also potentially increase it for inflation, right? So there's two, two caveats to that. <laughs> One is it assumes historical returns for both bonds and stocks are going to be what they were historically and you know we're in a little bit more of a challenging environment right Right. interest yields are very low and you know depending on you know what the valuations in the markets you know the market may not perform certainly in the next 10 years what it did the prior 10 years so you know, just in general, that 4% rule could be a little more challenging. And this is something that, you know, we look at with our clients who are retired. But the thing you have to remember is your age, right? You are really young to start taking a distribution. So what I would probably tell you is if you wanted like a really safe approach, it is to do more. So taking the income that is produced from dividends and from your bonds Occasionally, maybe if needing, if the market's doing well, to take some gains and if you need it for you know an expense here and there. But the four percent rule for try to do it for I don't know 40 years, 50 years, right. um, there's more challenges to that, right? So, so to, to well, protect we, you, on yourself, one, one little go ahead.
2: Caveat. Sorry, one little cat. So, we have we do have a smaller fund um set up, uh, it, it's it's predominantly just um, SDHD, the Schwab equity, uh, high dividend yield portfolio. Yep. That throws off a little bit of dividend income more than, you know, your standard um, total stock market index. But again, this this is actually what we're talking about. We have, my wife has a pension through the schools. I have a Roth IRA. We're not necessarily looking for something uh, that would need to then sustain us for that 30, 40 years. We know that, gotcha. you know, once five, six years old comes around, and, you know, depending on what the, the school landscape looks like five, six years from now, they're going to be our, our, our child or children at that point will be going into school. Uh, we'll have a little bit more time on our hands probably, you know, kind of going back to work. This is more of a five to seven years kind of more of like a reprieve a little bit from full-time work just because every time I speak to like an experienced parent, uh, they tell us more often than not, those first five to seven years, they wish they could get back because, you know, they're like, they're really, really transformative. So we've created this little portfolio in a way to try to optimize. Okay. Those
1: huge Josh, I'm going to interrupt years. you. I'm going to interrupt you because we're going to run out of time here. So I think you're doing all the right things. I definitely feel like you can use this portfolio in some respects, uh, for some cash yeah. flow. I would keep it below the four percent, though. That's my that's my recommendation. Yeah, I keep it, you know, maybe two or three percent, or around the income. But we're we're and gonna have to go that. here. But it-
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah uh-huh, ha! In my dentist's office, more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I
1: never win and tell.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com.
3: Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase In necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Yeah, great question. Uh, Folks, you're listening to Let's Talk Money on News Radio WGY, 103.1 FM and 810 AM. welcome back folks for those of you just joining us my name is martin shields and i'm your host today for let's talk money i'm sitting in for my colleague stephen boucher and it's great to be here with you on this gorgeous day hopefully you're maybe sitting in the backyard sipping on some lemonade or uh out on the boat maybe maybe on the boat listening to the show or in the car driving someplace fun but it's great to be here with you to answer any questions you may have to whether it's financial planning or investment uh, management or whatever, if it's finance related or economics related for that matter, uh, give me a call and we can chat. So you can reach me at 1-800-TALK-WGY. That's 800-825-5949. So I encourage you to call in with any question. And I just want to follow up real quickly with uh, the previous caller, Josh. He was asking, it uh, sounds like a really successful, young, uh, 30-some-year-old individual. And he and his partner, I guess, soon-to-be wife are Uh, been doing a lot of saving and maybe looking to start a family and he was talking about maybe using some money from a taxable account to um, allow them to uh, just kind of get through a few years when they start having kids and, you know, as he was asking about the 4% rule, which is what, you know, that's a 4% is the guidelines for taking distributions from an account that is sustainable over time and, you know, just talking about some of the issues that exist in particular with lower interest rates and, and equities. Um, but, you know, it's definitely something that I, I am that's it's interesting as I was thinking during the break, which is really what he did is what I did when uh, my we started having kids. My wife stayed home and uh, we had saved enough money uh, that allowed me to switch careers. And uh, we used that money to kind of cover some expenses uh, while I'll, I kind of build up my experience in, in the field. I switched from uh, corporate finance into financial planning and to get through and and it was invaluable uh to, to be able to do that and uh so it, it's a great approach i just think the one caution i i said to him is just you know be aware that uh we're in a challenging environment uh as far as rates and whatnot so uh, but i think it's a a great approach by by all means to be able to do that so um but you know a couple of things i want to talk about uh as well but again before i do just to give you the number uh that is 800 so if you have any questions feel free to give me a call and we can chat but one of the things I want to talk about is uh, for all those individuals that are uh, contributing to a 401k so as we talked about before our firm uh, we manage uh, probably around 70 million 60 70 million in the 401k space and so we work with a number of plans and you know it's been challenging because we usually go in in person meet with uh the plan participants and the trustees and we're a fiduciary in all those plans so um we're really there to give guidance not just education but personal guidance to you know the plan participants and everything and we're not able to do that but we're trying to do it in other ways uh we just had a webinar this past week for all of our uh plans and went through some guidance on that and we'll be doing some uh, uh virtual meetings zoom meetings coming up in the in the fall with all participants uh one-on-one meetings but just some things that you need to be aware of, because you know when you think about it, for individuals, the 401k, you know, Roth, whatever IRA, these are so important to make sure that you're in a good spot when you retire. And cannot stress enough that if you have just four or five things in place, uh, it's about the long, slow, steady race. This is not a sprint; it's a ultra marathon, a, a ultra ultra marathon. And having the right components in place. It makes you in a great spot to retire, and I tell you, it, you know, when we work with individuals that are in a good spot to retire, it is a great conversation. I, I, I always feel fortunate. I have a job that I do to be able to talk about all these things that people can, you know, do when they're in their 60s and really just appreciate. Uh, that time in life and and go out and travel and you know buy a boat or whatever the case may be, and that's those are fun conversations. But what's not a fun conversation is when somebody's not prepared, right? When when somebody has not saved properly, uh, you know, especially we see it sometimes when they have big incomes because you got to save even more money if you're earning a lot of money, and it's that's a tough conversation. It is a very difficult conversation to be telling somebody that they're either a not able to retire. Right now, they're not able to retire in the style they want. Uh, and they're going to make some hard decisions. So again, it's about making the right decisions early. And there's four main points I just want to kind of communicate on this. One is to have a budget for your yourself, your family, your household. Having that budget, it, it is absolutely very important, Again, it can be very high level, right? You don't need to have to down to the, the minutia, but just high-level budget that you know where you plan on spending your money for a given month or or year, uh, and it, it allows you to understand when you when you're not meeting that when you're spending too much, you know what's going on, right? Where where are we spending that much? Maybe it's just one month, you know, two months, uh, or is it something that's more sustained that you have to look at uh, as to how you're spending your money. Uh, the other thing is have an emergency reserve fund, right? This is uh, three to six months worth of cash that you set aside, you put in a bank account. You really don't even think about it. You don't worry what you're making on it as far as uh, interest, but it's there when something happens that's unexpected. And, uh, you know, I'm Irish, uh, Murphy's Law, uh, something's gonna happen, right, folks? So expect the unexpected. And, you know, that you go to your reserve, emergency reserve fund that you cover those expenses and then you build it back up right and what that does is it just gives you peace of mind that hey when something happens i'm not we're not going to be fretting about how do we handle this. And you know if I think you know COVID is boy if there if this doesn't show you then I don't know what will but whether you're a small business owner or whatever just expect that like something can happen that completely disrupt your cash flow and you got to make sure you've got different avenues to. to to take care of that. So having that emergency reserve fund is so important. And then the other two main things for successful uh, retirement planning. And again, <laughs> where you wanna be starting this is age 22, or even if you're in teen, teen years, we talked to our teenagers, uh, daughter just got a job about saving for you know, college, saving for your twenties uh, and saving for retirement. But the earlier you start, the better, but saving about 10 to 15% of your gross income, right? You really gotta push yourself to get to that percentage, because you know what we always say is, would you rather sacrifice in your 20s, you know, when just uh, going out and having fun with your friends is, is great versus whatnot. So would you make some rather make some sacrifices on how you're spending money in your 20s or when you're 65 right that that's the that's the question that's what's going to come down to is where do you want to make the sacrifices so you know the the sacrifices if you make them in your 20s they're they can be small sacrifices where i you know you could do do a there's a quick calculator that you can look at where you save three thousand dollars a year and and you do that consistently until you're in your mid-60s you'll have well over a million dollars well over a million dollars just by saving that so just small numbers like that really add up over time power of compounding and then the last thing and this is something where boy i we see this issue is that people are too conservative with their investments in their retirement accounts. Way too conservative, right? And there's nothing like something like COVID to make them even more conservative, but you have to say to yourself, when do I need this money, right? If, if it's not within the next five years, then, you know, you're thinking more, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, I mean, well, how many years down the road? You're a long-term investor. You have to have a large portion of your assets, in equities, in stocks, right? You have to, because you're not gonna get the growth when the 30 year, 10 year, I'm sorry, the 10 year treasury, you know, is 0.6%. You're gonna get, you don't even keep it up with inflation. So you absolutely have to have, what I would say is at least 80% in stocks, absolutely 80% in stocks, if not 90, if not hundred percent. And, you know, that is gonna provide growth because you know, it's funny because people either A, they don't even know where, a lot of times they have no idea, right? They're in, in what's called the the default fund, which is, it could be a balanced fund, which is 50-50, and they don't even know. They don't even look at this. Uh, so you have to go on, you have to make sure you know how you're invested. It has to be at least 80% or greater, and that's going to get you the growth. Because the thing to remember is, yeah, in the short term, like March, <laughs> like April, you're gonna have some volatility that hurts, right? It, it absolutely hurts when you look at your balance. But the thing to remember is the more aggressively you are invested in stocks, especially in a 401k plan where you're putting in money all the time, that means that you're buying into that weakness, right? You're buying into those depressed prices. And hey, that they, they turn it over, flip it around now, this is a good time. Mar- March is a great time to be a 401k investor if you're contributing, absolutely. Now, retiree, yeah, it's a little bit different, right? A little bit scarier. But if you're contributing during a 401k, you actually want to, you want to become more aggressive in those times, right? You to see the market down 10 or 15, 20 percent, you want to go 100 percent equity and you want to put in more money, you know, find money wherever you can to put it in because now you're buying, you know, prices 20% down. And think about that. If you just did that simply in this, you know, past spring. those dollars and how they appreciate it would have been dramatic. So really encourage you to think about those four components. Having a budget, having an emergency reserve fund, saving 10 to 15% as early as you can. Do it in your 20s. And then uh, having at least 80% plus in stocks. Now the other element to this, and this is the other thing we see, is that uh, one of the impediments to people doing this is student loans. They have way too much in student loans. It just, it buries them. So I'm telling you, whether you be a parent or whether you're thinking about going to college, you have kids or even a grandparent, you know, I've talked about this on the show before, you have to be considering college like a business decision. And if you're loading up on debt, I'm telling you, especially for undergrad, it's not probably the right business decision. It really is not. You got to think about it more not just about where you want to be going to school, but what is the actual what do I call ROI, return on investment, that you need to be aware of. So you you have to be thinking about it along those lines because you don't want to be in your 20s and 30s or even 40s, and um, really your life is limited by that debt. Because here's the thing: is whatever you spend on undergrad, there's a good chance you're going to go into grad school, and God forbid if you go to med school or you know MBA or law school you know, those are big dollars. So you really need to be looking at your college investment as, as just that in, uh, investment in yourself, your human capital, and be understanding and, as to trying to limit the amount of uh, debt that you're taking on. Just, I cannot stress that enough. Well, folks, we're gonna go to commercial break, but come back and join us. And again, if you have any questions, give me a call. You can reach me at 800-825-5949. You're listening to Let's Talk Money on News Radio WGY 103.1 FM and 810 AM. Welcome back, folks. For those of you just joining us, my name is Martin Shields, and I'm your host today for Let's Talk Money. I'm giving my colleague, Stephen Boucher, a well deserved Break. I, I hope he's up on Lake George on that boat, and not listening to the show. <laughs> I hope he's actually enjoying his time and not uh, listening to me. But I'm glad that you're there, and I'm I'm uh, just definitely want to take your questions. If you have any questions, it would be great to hear from you. You can reach me at eight hundred eight two five five nine four nine. Although I guess I guess he could be on the boat listening, but I, he needs a break. If you're on the boat listening, somebody else, that's great. But Stephen needs a break. He needs to be. Think about the birds and the fish and the trees and the water, maybe swimming or something. So, but it's great to be here with you to answer any questions you may have regarding your financial planning and investment manager concerns. And again, the number is 800-825-5949. So one of the things that I want to talk about, I know we talk about the show, uh, we're not big fans of annuities, right? So you, yeah, that's, that's clearly the case. Uh, but I'm telling you, I see this so often with people coming in with annuities and it just bugs the heck out of me. And so I really wanna kind of put this out there. And I, I, got, I got a saying that says, uh, friends don't let friends buy annuities without being educated, right? Friends don't let friends buy annuities without being educated. And I'm telling you, if you're any, you know somebody who's thinking about an annuity or you, you're thinking about it or you're related to somebody, absolutely stop immediately. And before you do that, you have to become educated as to what you're doing it, why you're doing it, and I would recommend that you talk to some sort of professional advisor who's not selling that annuity, right? Not selling you that annuity, because I'm telling you, I mean, I'm sure I've never bought an annuity, but uh, you know, I'm sure they do a great job at selling uh, the, the advantages of the annuity. And, there, and hey, there are some, right? Uh, and, there, and there are circumstances where that annuity can be used but they're probably not highlighting some of the limitations, right? So I'm just gonna spend a few minutes and, and talk to you about what those limitations are, or kind of the guidelines that you should be using, right? So first and foremost, you should not buy an annuity. You should not be buying an annuity unless you plan to annuitize it, right? And what does that mean, right? So in an annuity in an annuitizing, it means you take, let's just say you retire, you take $200,000. You need income when you retire. How are you gonna get that? Well one way is to put it in an annuity and turn it into an annuitizer or turn it into a pension. That's really what you're doing. You're giving $200,000 to an insurance company. What they're doing in that 150 page contract says, we're going to pay you under these terms. These are the terms that we're going to pay you. And, and really the goal with that is to make that $200,000 uh, into a pension. All right. That's, that's the, the, that you would have for the rest of your life. That, that's the basic concept of why you would have an annuity. So that's the number one rule. If you can't say absolutely for that, do not get behind an annuity, right? You're, you're, you're going down the wrong path right away. The second thing is, it should really be with taxable dollars, mean, in a taxable account. If you're taking um, money in an IRA and you're putting in annuity, you know, the, one of the advantages of annuity is tax deferred money, right? You don't pay taxes on the growth in that until you retire. Now the downside with that tax-deferred growth is when you do take it out, it's taxes ordinary income, right? It's not taxes long-term capital gains, or 15%, which is what a taxable account would be. So again, if it's in an IRA, it's we always say it's like ha- having a belt and suspenders on. You're already in a tax-deferred account, right? It, it doesn't make that much sense to put an annuity in an IRA because you're not getting the advantage of the tax-deferred nature. Uh, so that's the second thing. Uh, the other element is you have to have a real fear of being invested in the markets and what I mean by that is you know not just you lack education right because you can get education you can work with a fiduciary advisor and i know with our clients we educate. that's what we do is educate our clients about what it means to be a good long-term investor and take some of that fear away from the markets because if you understand the markets over the long term they're not they're not risky, really. I mean, relatively speaking, bonds can be more risky. So again, it's about being a good investor. But at some point, if you have an irrational fear of the markets, you know, it's like I can't, this is just keeping me up at night, then that may be a situation where that annuity could be a good option for you. Uh the other thing, and this is really important, is you have to relatively speaking, if you meet some of these other criteria, you have to really not have that much concern about legacy or your heirs, right? Because here's the thing is if you annuitize an annuity and you live for many years, there's a really good chance you're gonna your heirs are not gonna have anything left of that, right? That you know, you live to be 85, 90, you've been taking money out for you know 25, 30 years. There's not gonna be anything left. And I'll contrast that to if you have a, a managed portfolio that is well managed and as the other caller was talking about, you're taking that three or four, four and a half percent over time I will tell you, it's not a guaranteed, but there's a high likelihood that that portfolio is gonna grow over time and that your heirs will have something left, right? Uh, there's gonna be something left when you're not in the picture. But with an annuity that you annuitize, uh, that you're taking distributions for a number of years, there's a high likelihood that you're not gonna have uh, anything left, right? So that's that's an important contrast. So you know, if you're single, you're never married, no kids, or if you're married with no kids, you know, maybe you're less concerned about leaving money to a niece or a nephew or charity. And so that that may be a situation that work. But the main elements that we just see individuals not being aware of one, lack of transparency, right? They're, they're not reading through that 150 page contract, right? They're not really understanding what is in that annuity, what are the types of fees that are in, in that annuity. Two, lack of liquidity, right? When you get an annuity, it uh most of them now we even see them 12 years lockup before you don't have a penalty to get out of it 12 years right otherwise you get out of it before that 12 year period is over you're paying uh you're paying a penalty on it anywhere from six percent down to one or two percent in those last few years so lack of liquidity right and then high fees right you start especially looking at Uh, the fees when you're annuitizing it, the fees are anywhere from, you know, one and a half to two and a half to 3%, really high fees, and they basically just eat away at the value, actual value of the annuity. So again, friends don't let friends buy annuities, make sure you understand clearly from somebody else who's selling you that annuity, uh, what's going on, just just put it out there, uh, so <laughs> it limits the number of prospective clients we meet with who are in a situation where they have these annuities and they have no idea why they have them, and uh, it's not working in their favor for what they're looking for, so just something to be aware of. Um, one of the last things I want to talk about before the we end up our hour here is uh, distributions from a portfolio so you know in general. Um, When when somebody is retired and taking distributions, right, you could have a Roth IRA, you could have a taxable account, and you could have a traditional IRA, and you need to make decisions as to which one of those buckets is the best bucket to be taking uh, the money from. Now, from a historical perspective, um, you know, the traditional IRA was a good one to potentially delay uh, because if when you passed away, and your wife passed away, those accounts would go to your heirs, right? They go to your kids or whoever else, and they would get to stretch those uh, accounts out for the rest of their life. So what that would mean is they would have to take distributions from those, right? They would have what's called uh, required minimum distributions, RMDs, as uh, inherited IRAs, but they could stretch them out over their lifetime. Well, the SECURE Act that was passed at the end of last year changed that. Now, when a non-spouse receives an IRA, whether it be a Roth or a traditional, they have to take everything out of that account within ten years. Right now, they can wait. They can. They don't have to take it out every year. They can wait to year ten and take it out. But you know, you think about that. Now, if you are receiving this, you know, IRA and it's got you know five hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars, whatever. You know, th- these can get big then when you receive that you have got to take it out within 10 years so either you know you're taking out 100k or 50k each year or if it's a traditional ira you're delaying to uh to year 10 and now you got a big tax bill that's due so now it's kind of turned on its head right rel and it again it depends on the situation but relatively speaking you know it can now be preferential to take that distribution first from your ira and potentially delay taking Social Security while you're getting that 8% increase every year with your Social Security. That will also lower your required minimum distributions when you turn 72, right? So it does a couple things. It provides income for you, it allows you to delay Social Security, and it potentially lowers what your RMD is going to be when you do turn 72, the new RMD age uh, that's required. Um, And now the next bucket that you maybe want to be looking at is a taxable account. Right, Because with the taxable account, the advantage of that is, um, well, the downside is you're paying taxes on the income already, right? So that's a downside. But the, the advantage to that is that when you pass away, uh, that account gets a full step up in cost basis, potentially if you're a non-spouse uh, heir. And um, so you, you're, there's no gain, there's no tax on receiving that, right? So that's a really nice a way to transfer asf- assets to heirs. So something to be aware of in that regard. And then the third category is the Roth. Now, again, there may be situations depending on your income that you wanna take the Roth early. But the thing to remember with the Roth is, there are no, as right now, there are no required minimum distributions at age 72, right? So traditional IRA, you have RMDs. Uh, With a Roth, you do not have uh, RMDs at age 72. So that money can continue to grow tax-free all the way, you know, 72, 75, 80, 85. So it becomes a great kind of safety net for you and your spouse. Now, when your uh, kids uh, receive that Roth, um, they will have RMDs and they will have that 10 year rule that they have to deal with, right? So they're gonna have to have it all distributed by year 10. But now the the upside is that uh, they can wait until year 10 again, because when it comes out, there's no tax on it, right? So it's not like with a traditional IRA, where you're gonna get hit with a big tax bill on year 10, with the Roth, delay to year 10, take it all out, and there's no tax bill. So it's something to consider. Well, folks, it's been great to be here with you for this hour, Uh, I really appreciate uh, you listening, and uh, I'll be on tomorrow at eight as well. So come on back and we'll continue the discussion and I'll take your questions. You're listening to Let's Talk Money on News Radio WGY, 103.1 FM and 810 AM. Take care, folks, and have a great day and take care of one another.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.